Welcome to episode 83 of the Search with Counter podcast recorded on Friday the 16th of October 2020. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and today I'm going to be going through some of the new search features Google announced at the Search On event, including indexing specific passages of pages, visual search and searching by humming. But first, I'd like to thank Sightbulb who sponsor the Search with Canada podcast. If you haven't heard of Sightbulb, it's a desktop-based SEO auditing tool for Windows and Mac. And every week I take you through a feature or some of the features of Sightbulb that I like because we've been using it for a long time now. Uh, Sightbulb's got a special offer for Search with Canda listeners. If you go to sightbulb.com forward slash SWC you can get a 60-day extended free trial of Sightbulb that doesn't require you to put in any payment details, so no excuse not to check it out. I actually want to share with you uh, a little bit of an embarrassing story about getting the basics right, which is something that Sightbulb uh, can really help you do. So this week, um, I'm working from home like a lot of people are doing, and my fibre broadband went down. So I just upgraded a few weeks ago to fibre broadband and working away as usual and everything kind of just stopped working on the web. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe it's maybe it's just gone down for a moment, logged on to the router, router's on, just says it's disconnected, can't connect, try rebooting the router, all the basics, walk downstairs, have a look at the router, the lights are on, it's plugged in, but it's kind of flashing like something's not working. So, okay, um, I'm pretty pretty good with tech stuff, so didn't resolve itself after kind of 10, 15 minutes. So I thought, okay, I'll phone the broadband provider and just see what's going on. Maybe there's some kind of infrastructure problem. So I phoned them, waited, got through all of that and said, yeah, look, you know, internet's gone down. I'm connected by a Ethernet cable, so it's not a Wi-Fi issue. Uh, it was working up until now. Nothing's changed configuration-wise. And then they got me to check if I could see any lights on the actual box that brings the fiber into the home. So unlike when you have broadband, you just plug into the landline and you have your router that's powered, there's actually two bits that need powering. And much to my embarrassment and dismay, I had found that we've got one of those little uh, hoofy automatic Rumba type hoovers that trundle about downstairs picking up dog hair and this had bumped into a cable which had just moved the plug slightly out of the wall of a box that was behind a, a cupboard so I couldn't see it didn't have any lights on so obviously when they got me to check this I dragged it out of the way and you know you've got that embarrassing situation where I had to say yes I'm really sorry for wasting your time it's not working because it's not plugged in and it's really easy when you get experienced sometimes to overlook very simple issues like this. And anyone that works in IT, I'm sure knows that, you know, the is it plugged in test. So going back to Sightbulb, this is something they really help you with. So when you start a crawl with Sightbulb, they do a couple of really useful things like domain resolution uh, tests. So if you put in your HTTPS www.version of your site, 
what it will actually do is test all of the common types of domain setup for you. So it will automatically try and access the HTTP version as well as the HTTPS. It will try and access the non-dub version as well as the dub version and both combinations of those. So it immediately checks them and makes sure that they're redirecting properly. It does some clever stuff as well with things like 404s. So it will make up some of its own test URLs um, to see if you're returning proper 404 uh, status codes. It will try some extra things like putting .jpg file extensions, .text, .html, just to see if it can poke a hole in any of the rules that you've got um, so they're not returning the status code they should. And this is really helpful because otherwise on most tools you have to remember to do this or think about this yourself or you just have to um, you know maybe like me and my broadband you make a mistake where you just assume that that's working so it's just one of the many things that Sitebolt does that makes your life super easy and prevents you from looking stupid which is definitely a career goal I've always had uh, so Sitebulb, you can check it out, sitebulb.com forward slash SWC, free 60-day trial, give it a go. Let's kick off this episode talking more about Google and indexing. So the last two weeks, the last two episodes, I have talked to you about various Google indexing problems. Originally, Google reported they had problems with um, canonical pages and mobile indexing that were causing some uh, some issues with pages dropping out. And then we actually got the numbers that actually it was a huge amount of their index that was impacted. And actually, this doesn't appear to be resolved yet. And interestingly, we had the Google Webmasters Twitter account uh, put out a tweet just two days ago saying we have disabled the request indexing feature of the URL inspection tool. So that's the URL inspection tool within Google Search Console. In order to make some infrastructure changes, we expect it will return in the coming weeks. We continue to find and index content through our regular methods as covered here. So regular methods obviously is crawling sitemaps. Uh, normal URL discovery type things is interesting because the last episode we recommended and we were showing that other people were saying they were having some success in getting around indexing issues by using that uh, that tool the URL inspection tool and the request indexing feature in Google Search Console to get those pages back in the index and interestingly just uh, today a few hours ago I saw the screaming frog account saying uh, Twitter account that is saying see seeing some disappearing pages in Google again where's that fax machine so it definitely doesn't look like these indexing issues are fixed and it does appear that the kind of quick fix that seemed to be working for people isn't doable now either so my last kind of line of defense against this if you are having an issue with pages being dropped out the only workaround I could think that might work is you can create temporary sitemaps. So if you've lost some pages from Google, some URLs, I would recommend you put them in a new little sitemap just of non-indexed pages and submit that because that will likely then get them crawled again and get them indexed. But 
there does seem to be um, some kind of underlying issue here that's taken Google quite a while to resolve. Um, it's, you know, as we said, the third or fourth time they've had indexing issues in the last 12, 24 months. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed that will be sorted soon. Try the sitemap thing if you're really desperate, especially if you've dropped pages that were getting you a lot of search traffic. There is a lot of things to go through from the search on event. Lots of new improvements, features coming to Google that they announced. They've been written up in a blog post on the Google blog, which we'll link to in the show notes. So as usual, you can get the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. I'm going to go through and just pick out a few of these improvements that I think are most relevant to SEOs. So there's some stuff I won't kind of go into any detail or talk about in this podcast, like some of the new features Google is releasing for uh, reporters like Pinpoint. They've got some really cool stuff as well they're going to be doing with AR and visual search in terms of education. Um, really helpful stuff, but not necessarily what as SEOs perhaps we're interested in when we're trying to get traffic, organic traffic to sites for our own sites or clients or whoever. So there's three improvements that they spoke about in this post that I find interesting that I'm going to cover. The first one is about BERT. So BERT is our friend we first spoke about in episode 33 almost exactly a year ago. BERT of course stands for Bidirectional Encoder of Representations and Transformers. Everyone knows that. <laughs> uh, it's basically a way for Google to understand search queries uh, better. So the example that they gave when they launched BERT was a search term, something like 2019 Brazil traveler to USA need visa, which as humans, we understand that means someone from Brazil is traveling to the USA. Do they need a visa or what visa do they need? And they showed a pre-BERT and post but answer to this where the pre-BERT result just kind of focused around uh, US visas and traveling and USA people going abroad whereas the but version had understood from the order of the words that this query was specific to someone traveling from Brazil needing a US visa. So they were just demonstrating how uh, this algorithm can help them understand um, better better uh, search queries or understand search queries better. Interestingly, from the blog post and from the tweets, they're saying when this was launched, so back in uh, last year when we spoke about this, it was used on about 10% of queries and now BERT is apparently used on almost all English queries, which is really interesting. And there's two other updates that, that run, in my mind, alongside this in terms of the impact they will have on us working in the field of SEO, which is uh, spelling and the indexing of passages or parts of pages. So firstly, in terms of spelling, Google says we've continued to improve our ability to understand misspelled words and for good reason. One in 10 queries every day are misspelled. Uh, and I find that really interesting. I was thinking a little bit more about this and I feel, and this is my guess, that this may be because we've got so many more mobile searches perhaps now. Because thinking about 
my own behavior. I regularly do misspelled searches now when I'm typing on my phone because autocorrect will get something wrong or my thumbs are just uh, not as accurate as they should be. But I don't bother to correct it because I know Google is going to understand what I'm searching for. It's going to get the gist of it. So Google, Google say today we're introducing a new spelling algorithm that uses a deep neural net to significantly improve our ability to decipher misspellings. In fact, this single change makes a greater improvement to spelling than all of our improvements over the last five years. So that's that sounds like a big improvement. Uh, a new spelling algorithm helps us understand the context of misspelled words so we can help you find the right results all in under three milliseconds. And they've given an example here of a search that says, does algae bloom produce foul order? And obviously all of those words are correct and nothing is misspelt, but the suggestion has come up, does algae bloom produce foul odor? Because that makes sense uh, as, you know, as humans, we'd understand that in that sentence, in that structure. And this is interesting. I find this one interesting because I think if you asked a human what was wrong with this search term, they may not know. So the search term is, Ed, talk on good presentation skills. And what's wrong with that search? So what are they searching for? They're searching maybe for a guy called Ed who did a talk on good presentation skills, but Google has realized, okay, uh, did you mean TED talk on good presentation skills? So I think that's quite... I understand these are cherry-picked examples, but that's still quite impressive. So before I talk a little bit more about that, I just want to go through the other, what I think is the most significant change, which is to do with passages. Uh, by that, I mean passages of text within a page. So Google says, very specific searches can be the hardest to get right. And that's actually a topic we've talked about a few times on the podcast I think at the end of the last episode as well we talked about the people also ask refinements uh, Google kind of provide people when they're not sure about the that specificity uh, of a question uh, so Google says since sometimes the single sentence that answers your question might be buried deep within a web page we've recently made a breakthrough in ranking and are now able to not just index web pages, but individual passages from pages. By better understanding the relevancy of specific passages, not just the overall page, we can find that needle in a haystack information you're looking for. This technology will improve 7% of search queries across all languages as we roll it out globally. And they've given an example here for a search term, which says, how can I determine if my house windows are UV glass? And the before search result is just a page about UV radiation through windows, an experiment, and the after result is a, by the looks of it, a featured, yes, it is a featured snippet that says, when, uh, when it is dark, hold a lip match or lighter close to the glass that are on your window. So it's pulled out the specific answer to that question. And they've just uh, subtitled that image by saying, with new passage understanding capabilities, Google can understand that the specific passage R is a lot more relevant to a specific query than a broader page on that topic L. So what does this all mean? What do these three 
changes mean? So in my opinion, this means we are one more likely to see a greater breadth of different domains and different pages appearing in search results for for all of these different reasons. So for BERT, um, whereas if there was, you know, say 10 search terms around visas that pre-BERT Google kind of thought were about the same thing, they were about USA, they're about visas, it probably would have shown the strongest maybe linked to page for that query. Now, post or with BERT, not post, I guess, currently now with BERT, because it can understand the nuances between the different intent of those search terms, it would be more likely, regardless of the other spelling and passages changes, more likely to show other pages that answered that intent better. The spelling one, I think, stands for itself because we're essentially getting more correct search terms um, appearing. But the, the passages one is is really interesting as well because this is, you know, a lot of SEO focus is around this topical authority and the idea that Google ranks web pages. So for this query, is this a good web page? What do we consider? We consider, um, you know, what type of contents on the page, the, um, the depth of the kind of questions that are answered, does that page have many links, um, all of these things into is this a good page for the topic. The change, um, the paradigm shift to is this a good passage for this search query isn't something we've kind of dealt with really as SEOs before and I think all three of these all three of these improvements basically are bridging what was a technical gap that SEOs were bridging before. So you could have an expert write on a topic and you can have an SEO person write on a topic and decide how to structure pages. And, you know, it, I think it's fair to say most people historically would 99 out of 100 times expect the SEO to know how to rank better maybe even if they're not the expert because they understand, oh, okay, well, for all of these questions, it's best to group these on one page and link to them consistently rather than having all these separate pages or, you know, it's better to use um, H2s to identify all of these questions. And it, I think what this is going to do is make the bar lower for non-tech or non-SEO educated people just to write good content so you don't necessarily need to be a topical authority if you have answered this specific question that nobody else is answering whereas before a more generic page on that topic might have appeared because it's got the links and google's like okay well it answers all these other things that i know are important to this entity that people also ask as well but just having that content now i think you have a better chance of ranking than you ever did before. And I think it's always worth building into your thought process that all rankings are temporary as well. Um, so it's I see more movement nowadays in rankings than I have done from five, ten years ago. And I think that's going to only continue to accelerate as Google goes through experiments and finds what these best solutions are. So I think I don't think it particularly 
changes anything in terms of what we should be doing as SEOs. I think what it actually does do is it reduces the advantage, I, I think, of having more specific technical knowledge about how search engines work and weighs those scales slightly more in favor of, well, we understand our customers really well. We understand the questions that they're asking. So actually it falls more into this, what's the best practice, you know, because we still need to use, you know, H2s and we still need to lay out content in a way that's easy to understand, easy to read, loads quick, all that great stuff. But that kind of advantage that SEOs had and still have about how specifically to set things up to rank better when they don't necessarily have the best or content I think is is diminishing so all those three things I think do play into that I think it's healthy for the um, search results as a whole and it's actually I think a good thing for SMEs because I my guess would be with this more with seeing more domain diversity we're going to take a another small step back from having just these top 100 or top 1000 strongly linked to domains where they can just choose to write about any topic at a mediocre quality and they can rank so i think there's going to be more of a look in for smaller companies doing seo who are doing a, a good job of it ads in auto suggest is just something I really want to quickly mention because this was a brilliant spot uh, by Thebold Adder on Twitter. I found this. Again, I'll, I'll link to his tweet in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. And Theobald said, first time seeing this new ad unit slash label while typing on Google Maps. I only typed seafood restaurant, so the beginning of seafood restaurant, and Google was showing me Red Lobster. When did that go live? And his screenshot showing... As he says, he started typing seafood restaurants and the second thing down from the um, completion, the auto suggest is actually an ad. So this is something it looks like Google's experimenting with, um, again, to increase that paid activity, that paid footprint within specifically at the moment, Google ads. I had a look around. I couldn't find anything to suggest that ads were being placed within Google Suggest on the main search, although um, I, you know, that could well be a possibility for the future. I'd never rule it out, but that's interesting. Be interesting to see if anyone else sees that on Google Maps when you're doing searches. Lastly, in this episode, I want to talk about a couple of new ways you can interact with Google search. The first one, probably the most fun, is hum to search. Uh, there's a separate blog post that Google put up about this called Songs Stuck in Your Head, Just Hum to Search. Um, and it says, do you know the song that goes, and I'm not gonna try and, and hum this because this, I think this search feature will prove I'm objectively bad at humming. Um, I'm one of those people that can't repeat tunes despite hearing them. Um, so I'm not going to do it, but the idea is, uh, Google saying we all know how frustrating it is when you can't remember the name of the song or any of the words, but the tune is stuck in your head. Today on Search On, we announced that Google can now help you figure out um, what song it is with no lyrics, no artist name or perfect pitch required. So it's actually starting today. 
You can hum, whistle, or sing a melody to Google to solve your earworm. On your mobile device, open the latest version of the Google app, or find your Google search widget, tap the mic icon and say, what's this song? Or click the search a song button, then start humming for 10 to 15 seconds. On Google Assistant, it's just as simple to say, hey Google, what's this song? And then hum the tune. The feature is currently available in English on iOS and in more than 20 languages on Android. And Google said they hope to expand this to more languages in the future. After you're finished humming, machine language algorithms help identify potential song matches. And Google says, don't worry, you don't need to be pitch perfect to use this feature. We'll show you the most likely options based on the tune. Then you can select the best match and export information on the song and artist with any accompanying music videos um, or listen to the song on your favorite music app, find the lyrics, etc., etc. Um, I think that's quite interesting because this opens up perhaps some quite creative ways we can do campaigns now. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking I've seen adverts on TV where they're encouraging people to just do a search now. So rather than, you know, type in this web address, you can say the, the British Army did one saying, you know, just go, just search army jobs because they know they're going to rank number one for that. So I think it'd be interesting um, to see if there's anything people can play around with with humming there um, and getting some entity imprints on things like Spotify um, because again this is all tying into what we've spoken in many episodes about you know this search feature the the, the previous um, features we're talking about is all tying into Google's knowledge graph and their understanding of entities. Um, the second visual or second way sorry to interact with search is the visual uh, way and again, there's a separate blog post on this I will link to. And there's a whole bunch of tools, as I mentioned in the intro, that Google's expanding to do with Google Lens and augmented reality, especially around learning and education. I just want to talk about the, the shopping side of things. So the shopping side of things is really interesting uh, to me because so many people that I've spoken to who aren't working in search actually aren't aware of this functionality um, within the, the Google app. So there is uh, Google Lens, um, which is, um, you can use that through the Google app if you just hit the kind of camera button. And I've used this before where I've seen a specific product and I don't know what it is or what brand it is. So I've either taken a picture of it on my camera or I've taken a screenshot and run that through um, Google Lens and then it's done the search and it's told me what kind of product that is and that's actually been that's actually been really helpful. So there's been an update now to this uh, so I'll read out um, what Google written here uh, under shop what you see with Google Lens. Another area where the camera can be helpful is shopping especially uh, what especially when what you're looking for is hard to describe in words. With Lens you can already search for a product by taking a photo or screenshot, as I said. Now we're making it even easier to discover new products as you browse online with your phone. When you tap and hold an image on the Google app or Chrome on Android, Lens will find the exact or similar items and suggest ways to style it. This feature is coming soon to the Google app on iOS. 
Lens uses style engine technology, which combines the world's largest database of products with millions of style images. Then it pattern matches to understand concepts like ruffle sleeves or vintage denim and how they pair with different apparel. So it's, it's essentially an easier way in to what we were um, what we were just talking about. So it's giving searchers uh, a quicker way to to discover this functionality within Google. And again, this to me is a way we can think laterally as search marketers and understand that where search is heading is perhaps less domination of people going to a search engine and typing a set of words for the thing that they want. We've spoken about, and uh, I think some people have over-egged the amount that voice search was the impact it was going to have by now, but it is definitely increasing. Um, this visual method of searching is absolutely helpful. And this is a way, you know, you we can think about making strategies to, if we know specific products, uh, people are going to be looking at them, producing content and doing what we need to do to let Google understand that there is that entity link between the products we're writing about, the product someone's taken a picture of, and Google's identified it objectively as this product, and maybe we've got some information about that product on our site, and we've used structured data to make that very clear and make that job for the search engine easy. So I think this is, in, this is interesting, and I'm going to be really interested over the next... 12, 24 months about how these strategies are going to develop, how retailers are going to start taking advantage of them, because this is another case where we are going to see, I believe, the technology drive consumer behavior, because the technology is essentially providing us with a lower friction solution to a problem. And where you have these lower friction solutions to problems, they inevitably win out so there'll be the early adopters then there'll be the slow <laughs> kind of like me in a way of the well I'd, I've got my way of doing it I'm not keen to change how I'm doing it because that requires brain power but then the realization that oh actually this makes my life easier and I save myself some time and we'll see these searches becoming uh, you know the volume will increase and therefore the value of being visible um, is going to increase so super interesting Again, we'll link to the overall search on blog post. Go check it out. There's some other um, announcements in there, uh, some more detail, which we'll find interesting. And that's all we've got time for in this episode. As usual, I'll be back in one week's time, which will be Monday, the 26th of October. And I hope you all have a brilliant week.